Welcome to Dr. What, Dr. Where, Stories of Rural Medicine. It's the podcast exploring what it's like to further your training and practice medicine in regional Victoria. Northwest Victoria is, put simply, huge, for Victorian standards anyway. It reaches from the borders of Greater Melbourne all the way up to the northwest corner of the state. The geographical changes between these two extremities are striking. The distances between major towns can be hundreds of kilometres, which presents some unique challenges when delivering a high standard of healthcare to all in the region. Communities along the Murray River, bordering on New South Wales, have taken an innovative approach to develop their service and encourage doctors to come and train and practice in the region. Swan Hill District Health's Executive Director of Medical Services, Dr. Rex Prabhu, has been working with other organisations in town, particularly the local council, to get word out about their desire to grow healthcare locally. I think we are very big on attracting the health professional as a whole because we do know that when, when a doctor moves town, they bring their family in and they want opportunities in educating their children. We've got really good schools here, really good recreational activities on both sides of the river. Its um, housing is affordable and cheap. It's a real good place to both have a good work-life balance as well as enjoy the quietness of rural life while enjoying. We've got good shops. I do reflect that Coles and Woolworths in Swan Hill is open till midnight. (laughs) So uh, it's a good place to be at. What sort of health services are available here in Swan Hill? Swan Hill District Health is a 65-bed sub-regional hospital. Uh, Now it's a hospital that has a 24-7 emergency department. We've got a mixed ward of acute medicine and general surgery. Uh, We've also recently commissioned a 14-bed subacute unit. Swan Hill District Health is unique because it provides even primary care. So the hospital manages one of the GP practices in town, which gives trainees opportunities to train in the rural generalist pathway, have an opportunity to complete their rotations in hospital as well as then take on general practice as a career stream. In terms of the training pathways uh, that's available currently in Swan Hill, we have the uh, Rural Generalist Training Pathway, which is a part of Bendigo and Swan Hill. So rotationals come out of their PGY2 from Bendigo. They do rotate in our acute medical ward. They rotate in our emergency department. Uh, that forms the quorum of their GP training requirements. And then they choose to join a GP pathway. And, you know, there's there's a lot of pathways in terms of RAC, GP or ACRRM, ACRIM. And we facilitate both of these pathways. We've got supervisors in our general practice. Um, and so it's a complete pathway. You know, you, you can do your rotations as a PGY2 and then go on to train to be a general practitioner right in Swan Hill. You don't have to go anywhere else. That's the beauty of what we have to offer. Because we've now recruited a, a physician geriatrician, we've now... Uh, applied for a position in extended skills in geriatric medicine Um, and we have a footprint to also extend that to emergency medicine as well as anesthesia in the next few years. We get a lot of hands-on experience in Swan Hill. For example, the rotationals that come from St. Vincent's for uh, general surgery, 
they get a lot of hands-on experience in colonoscopies, some things that they do not get at a tertiary center. For example, I had the the unaccredited registrar just reflect before his end-of-term assessment that he's become so proficient in managing gastroscopies and colonoscopies, an experience that he would never get anywhere else. Um, in terms of our emergency medicine, we're well supervised round the clock by a senior medical officer till midnight, and you always have cover from a visiting medical officer overnight. So they get this hands-on experience of dealing with the patient pus, but they have that backup readily available like a tertiary hospital. So that's the uniqueness. They get to um, manage the patient um, in a more independent manner, but they always have a backing uh, to help them, which is what every junior doctor looks for. With the 24-hour ED here in Swan Hill, how does that fit into the healthcare landscape in the more broader region? Are there any other 24-hour EDs close by here? So that's the uniqueness. Um, around 200 kilometres, there's no other emergency department. So all the other hospitals just have urgent care centres. We service a very large catchment uh, from Mildura to Bendigo on either side. So there's no other emergency department for 200 kilometres on either side. That gives a wide variety of presentations, including traumas, the same things that you would see in a tertiary centre, but at a, at a smaller uh, number or caseload. So the average presentations is around 45 presentations a day. And we have nine doctors rostered round the clock for those presentations. So on an average, you would see you know five to six patients in your ED shifts, which is not too overburdening on them, but they get that quality of independently managing the patients and providing them a care for individual patients, yeah. That distance between emergency departments must be challenging at times. Yes, that, I mean, in terms of service delivery, we do have uh, challenges in terms of, you know, capability of transferring patients out when they, when they need a higher centre. We've developed good networks with the hospitals and, you know, we've developed good networks with Bendigo, the Alfred, uh, the Austin, the Northern Hospital. And that's the kind of relationship building that I've been involved in to help facilitate the journeys of patients and actually getting uh, doctors to be on the Lord and Mali Regional Forum has actually helped us to actually network well with doctors on the other side. So now, for example, we know at Bendigo, if there's a pa surgical patient that is beyond our capability, we just give a call to Bendigo and they will never say no to us. They know where Swan Hill is, they know our resources, they know our capability. And so those networks have already been established. You've mentioned some plans that you have for the hospital here. As you're getting to about a year into this role, do you have any other kind of vision for the healthcare in Swan Hill? In the last one year, I've been very, very busy in establishing a strong senior workforce because I know the junior workforce is pretty much dictated by the amount of supervision that you get from your senior workforce. So from my plan that I've I set about in February, I've nearly achieved 50% of that already in a year. There's 50 more percent to go, but works are already underway to attract uh, senior medical staff in 
uh, every single speciality such that we have that uh, rural generalist pathway as well as supervision of different rotations for junior doctors to come in and and even medical students. We have not yet touched on the research availability here in Swan Hill. Uh, we've got students coming from Monash. Uh, we've got a real opportunity to build up our research capability. So we've got two staff now who've recently joined us who've got a very strong research portfolio and have already put together a working group in order to encourage research from staff in small projects. We want to start small, but we want to attract uh, medical doctors or juniors when they come here on a rotation, pick up a small project, which actually provides them a good standing in their careers ahead. As we know, medical research is a big component of uh, the overall professional development of any uh, pro medical professional, and it's it's seen upon um, uh, quite with quite some scrutiny now with uh, competition to get into training pathways. So to encourage those opportunities, we've taken giant steps and we want to actually grow and uh, see that we have some good research output from our organization. Heading south to Kerrang, Northern District Community Health went viral some years ago for their campaign, We Want a GP. We want a GP. We want a GP. It took some time for this hit to attract newcomers to Kerrang, but as their chief executive Mandy Hutchinson describes, putting the spotlight on the town has helped rebuild their entire workforce. We were very lucky in the past in Kerrang to have some GP clinics and GPs working in those clinics and owning those clinics who were incredibly dedicated to the community. Uh, I call them superhero doctors. Their priority was the community and the well-being of the community and when they decided to sell the practice, what it meant was that we didn't have those sorts of people with that sort of expertise. First of all, they're absolutely incredibly skilled doctors. And so what we noticed was that we had this um, lack of, well, first of all, workforce, and also it demonstrated to us that we had a, a lack of opportunities and the so support services around those doctors wanting to come here. During the last few years, what we've been trying to do is establish better opportunities for GPs when they arrive here, and we've also been really mindful about making sure that the priority is making sure that GPs have work-life balance, which our superhero doctors probably didn't look after as much as this next generation um, needs to and, and should. So it's been a real journey for us learning about, you know, the next generation and what they expect and then also creating a, the sort of community and response um, so that doctors when they arrive here fall in love with the community or just fall in love would be good as well and never leave. Uh, so that's what we've been trying to do ever since. That succession planning for GPs that have been a cornerstone of the community can be a real challenge. Huge challenge, a huge challenge. And even they would tell you how much they tried over the years to build up workforce as they went along. So I think, for example, our clinic that we purchased uh, back in October 2017 
they used to have registrars, they had Monash visiting, you know, students visiting all the time. It's actually one of the most respected places to go um, to be a student uh, because the, the support was so good. There were, you know, three um, to four fellow GPs who were proud of their rural generalist background um, and had other skills to offer such as anaesthetists and obstetrics. They really had a lot to offer here and when they left there was this gaping big hole and I suppose as you say when when you're planning for the future it's it's pretty devastating when it goes and, and for the community not being able to access those services has been really challenging and also to access you know, services that were actually very at a very high level as well. Um, so we've got um, a beautiful team at the moment in our clinic, but it took us about, you know, probably 18 months to get that team assembled and they are not at the level of expertise that it was. So um, we're trying to provide them with the opportunities now um, around professional development and mentoring and opportunities so that they quickly um, can uh, rise to the expectations of the community and also of themselves. A lot of people outside of Kerrang will be familiar with Northern District Community Health because of the campaign you did yes. with this. And I understand that there's a little bit more surrounding that campaign, a bit of history as well as not only just the desire for a GP but a desire for more comprehensive health services up here? Yeah, absolutely. There was, uh, you know, we really were left bereft. Uh, we couldn't quite believe it. Um, we, we our, our doctors, we knew we were going to leave but we didn't quite recognise the impact that would have. Uh, and so when they left, it meant that we lost our registrars as well. So some had been going to move on anyway but um, and then that sort of created angst um, in the remaining workforce who were then worried about being the last GPs standing without all that beautiful support around them, which is fair enough. And so they also left. So all of a sudden we had no GPs and no capacity to take registrars or anything like that. So we were on a steep learning curve. So we did the campaign out of desperation. <laughs> we were going to the RDAV and R-Wave conference, a rural doctors conference uh, at Creswick. And I was sitting with my team and I was thinking, how are we going to, like, if we go to this conference, how are we going to stand out from the crowd at this conference? And I was sitting with um, the team leader of our nurses, Jen Brereton, who's um, the, the best singer in the video, our general manager of corporate services, and said, what about like a music video? Um, and I went home to my family and it was the day before Anzac Day. So I rang, rang a filmmaker I knew um, in Bendigo on the way home. I said, are you doing anything on Thursday? Because the conference was on that Saturday. Uh, so we didn't have a lot of time. <laughs> and he said, oh yeah, I could come up Thursday afternoon. And I went, okay. So I thought about it all Anzac Day. Uh, and then I came to work on the Thursday and wrote, rewrote the lyrics. And I, I've got to give my son some credit here because I actually thought I would have to do something a bit more hip like I was thinking of a oh, Crosby sweater or something like that a bit more cool to try and um, you know get the younger generation and um, I was saying to Paddy my son when I got home oh, I was thinking you know you know something really cool like that and he said oh mum oh no I think you've got to do something you know a bit more I don't know and he goes what about 
we do love Queen at home. We need a GP. Um, so he said, you know, I need a GP. So Patrick was the inspiration for the song. Um, and so then I wrote the lyrics that morning and this was my studio. We're sitting in my office <laughs> at our community health service. So this was our studio and we got, you know, in a karaoke version and we, we sang it and then we played around the community for a couple of hours and that was it. And then I, I sent it to colleagues who I thought would be very honest with me about whether I was about to ruin my career or not. Um, and I can remember sitting in the car park waiting for my son to finish his shift at IGA, waiting for them to tell me whether they thought it was worthwhile doing. And I got some really good feedback. <laughs> and so the next day we went to Creswick and we popped it up on the screen and, yeah, not, and it went a bit little crazy for a while. I'm not sure if it was quite viral, but certainly got some media attention and got the attention on this issue. And I think that probably for us was pretty ace to be part of something which really demonstrated what was going on in rural Victoria but also rural Australia in that there's a, a lack of GPs in our community now and, and we're really starting to struggle to meet the needs of our community and particularly with um, the sort of health stats that we've got they're not particularly attractive um, and GPs being the cornerstone of a lot of you know health work it's really important that we do have access to them and it's about health equity really. What's the training capability been like as you've uh, rebuilt that alongside the workforce? Yeah, it's been great to watch that emerge um, because we did have, you know, we lost all capacity and now we do have doctors who are fellowed and who are uh, accredited supervisors um, for various programs. Um, so that means that we do have the capacity to provide that to our registrars when they arrive here. I feel that they're getting really good opportunities. So, so much so that I think now that, you know, some of our doctors Doctors may even, like particularly the ones who have family, say, in, in Melbourne, um, have made the decision to stay here because they know that here they're going to have three doctors who, you know, can provide them with the support, sort of support they need to become fellowed. And so in the meantime, we hope they fall in love with the community and stay anyway. But we're realistic about that as well. And, yeah, so there are opportunities now. We certainly, as an organisation, as a community health service, we've always been passionate about professional development. So we encourage our doctors just to get as much of it as they can. For instance, our local nursing home was without any doctors recently and, and our doctors have stepped into that space. As part of that, we're now saying to them, how about, you know, some education about palliative care and those sorts of things so that it helps them with their development. And we've got a lead doctor who's providing that nurture and support and guidance to those doctors. So whenever we take something on, we don't seem to ever sit still for long. There always seems to be new things that we can be looking at. We really try and make the most of those but also make sure it's safe um, for the doctor in within their scope but also that it's something that's going to build their skills uh, as a professional. In the northwest corner of the state sits a hospital that's undergoing significant changes to the way it operates. 20 years ago Mildura-based hospital was rebuilt and as part of that project it has been operated by a private company ever since. Soon the state government will be bringing it back into public administration, the biggest change to the Mallee's health service since the rebuild. This is something which the community has been wanting for years, and despite the administrative disruption, their emergency department director, Dr Dan Turner, says nothing will change in the way it offers healthcare to the community and training to students and junior doctors. It's probably the most remote 
area in uh, Victoria, and we service quite a large geographical area. So we cover right from the state border with South Australia up into sort of halfway towards Broken Hill, across to Balranald, down covering Echuca, Swan Hill, and as far as Sea Lake. So that cross-border into New South Wales would create some interesting challenges. Patient-wise, they're, they're still the same. We do see some of the challenges with ambulance services and retrieval services and particularly psychiatric services, but we've been on the border for a very long time and we're pretty used to dealing with those now. The base here would have a pretty unique situation in terms of its uh, emergency department. I understand that it can't even go and bypass like some hospitals. Well, we're the only emergency department in that large geographical area. The next sort of emergency department uh, would be Bendigo Health. Um, And then all of our referrals that go out of this area have to go by air, so they all go to Melbourne or Adelaide. Part of that would mean you'd also have a pretty extensive range of health services here. The emergency department is pretty well supported by the hospital in terms of what we have behind us. We, you know, we also see a, a really interesting case mix here because so, we see everything from pediatrics to geriatrics, uh, trauma, uh, Aboriginal health, mental health, women's health. You know, we, see, we see everything where some of the uh, tertiary centres won't see trauma or won't see pediatrics or these sorts of things. And how does that shape the training experience for junior doctors? I think it's great. They get to see everything. Um, And they also um, get to do a lot more in terms of hands-on in the country. And they get to spend a bit more time with their patients sort of looking after them instead of handing them on to a specialty service straight away. With the distance side of things, you know, you would sometimes need support from Melbourne or perhaps even Adelaide since that's closer. Uh, What's that support like? It's had its teething problems over the 17 years that I've been here. But um, now Victoria has quite a, a... good support network coming up out of Melbourne. We have a statewide trauma service now that runs quite efficiently and has 24-hour phone access to trauma consultants whenever we want. They also have the Victorian Adult Retrieval Service, which now, again, provides 24-hour consult services as well as clinical support and retrieval. We've got PETS and Piper for the pediatric patients, and we've recently in our ICU started up a uh, telehealth support network with the intensive care at the Alfred Hospital, which is allowing us to keep and treat sicker patients here in Mildura with specialist support from the tertiary centres. Mildura Base is a pretty unique hospital in terms of the way it's managed and administered because it's operated by, by a private company. It's the only hospital in the state, but that's set to change soon. I'm keen to discuss kind of what what that might mean for for the healthcare as well as kind of the training opportunities. Yeah, look, I don't think it'll make a whole lot of difference to the delivery of healthcare or the training opportunities. I mean, Mildura is a privately run public hospital. So we are a public hospital. We have been a public hospital for the last 17 years. We've just been administrated and, and sort of run by a private company, which runs you know, a lot of hospitals across the country and, in fact, is the largest private um, healthcare provider in the country. So the changeover next year, obviously, everyone's a bit concerned about what will happen and how that will go. We will just be a public hospital run by a, a public board now instead of a private board. So I think on the ground, you know, the people won't change, the staffing won't change, you know, the type of work we do won't change. We'll still be doing all that public work that we've done before, but we'll just be a, a publicly run public company, if that makes sense. Do you get many trainees rotating through here in Mildura? 
Yeah, look, there's lots of different training opportunities in Mildura. Certainly general practice is probably one of our biggest training components here. And we've put a lot of people into general practice through the emergency department here. They'll come from overseas. This will be their first job in Australia. They'll work for a year or two with us and then go into general practice and stay in the community. We've got a lot of GPs that have come through our DED and are still here in the community and working. We also, our emergency department is accredited for emergency medicine training with the college, and we have put some trainees um, through. We have trainees currently now every year. In fact, one of our consultants was one of our trainees five years ago, and we've got trainees at various stages that are now at tertiary hospitals in Melbourne, Sydney, Adelaide, and we've recently had some of those trainees come back as consultants doing some local work in our ED here as well. Also, the hospital has trainees that rotate through in in the fields of medicine, pediatrics, obstetrics, psychiatry, uh, surgery, and they all come up from Melbourne on various rotations. Obviously, we'd like to see more ED rotations coming up from metropolitan centers if, if we could, and we'd like to keep them here longer. I think the other thing on that note is that, you know, the in rural and regional areas like this, the subspecialty teams all get on very well. So, you know, the pediatricians and the physicians and the surgeons, we all know each other. We all live in the same town. We all work at the same hospital and we're, we're all quite close and, and tend to get along very well. Whereas I think in the cities at the big tertiary hospitals, it, it can be hard to know some of those people. And, and that affects a, a work relationship as well. And, and I think that's a, a plus. Like I said, when you know someone and you ring them up and say, look, you know, I need a hand with this, they come down quite quickly because they know you don't call very often and when you do call, it's usually important. Mildura sits hundreds of kilometres from the next closest public hospitals of a similar size, but their private hospital covers an even greater area. Their chief executive officer, Marcus Guthrie, says it's not uncommon to see patients from Shepparton all the way to the edges of Adelaide go through its doors. We handle, on average, 6,500 admissions per annum. Uh, so we provide a significant service to the community. You'd see people from pretty far-flung areas, wouldn't you? Yeah, that's right. So we have a, a quite a large catchment area. We see patients from Renmark in the Riverland, as far as Broken Hill, three hours away, and, and then also Birchip and Witchyproof um, in, in Lower Victoria. So where else would the, the nearest private health service be in this neck of the woods? The, the nearest, really, um, would be either Adelaide or Shepparton. What sort of health services are on offer here? Uh, so we're a 50-bed um, acute medical and surgical private hospital, and we really carry, carry the whole gamut from cardiology through to dental, uh, ear, nose and throat surgery, of course, general surgery, uh, gynaecology. Um, through to um, e even oncology, ophthalmology, orthopaedics and, and paediatrics. And then on the ward, obviously, we, ha we have physicians and, and general practitioners um, whom re regularly admit into the hospital. Do you sort of work together with the, the public health services here and elsewhere in the region? Yeah, we do. We, we try to as much as possible to, to link in. Um, there's often times where the base hospital is having um, patient flow and access challenges. So so we'll have patients transferred into our service uh, and at times vice versa. So, you know, for two co-located hospitals, um, it's vitally important that we work together. What are some of the challenges in terms of operating in uh, northwest Victoria that, that might 
you know, some challenges you might not see in a larger tertiary hospital in Melbourne? The two main challenges are nursing workforce shortages, um, but then also your medical workforce shortage. I think um, those shortages seem to be driving the industry at the moment. Uh, everyone's acutely aware of of remaining sustainable and building the workforce to remain sustainable for a long time. Hence, in the, in the medical aspect, we have probably 50% local medical proceduralists and then 50% fly-in, fly-out. We, we would love to have a model of completely local specialists. Um, that, that's just not uh, reality at this point in time. And on the nursing side, um, obviously we, we have theatre nursing requirements, oncology nursing requirements, and, and then also for the inpatient ward. Um, it's, it's really important that we're attracting staff to the region um, and retaining the staff. There's been a lot of development in terms of developing training and, and longer placements and rotation for medical students mm. out in Mildura in particular. Yeah, absolutely. We, we try to link in with the base hospital uh, in terms of the, the surgical registrars building up their logbook hours and completing and assisting the specialist in theatres here at the private. Uh, we're also linking with the base hospital for a nurse graduate program uh, and we link in with Monash Rural Health Mildura as well in terms of assisting their students and providing their students work experience in our facility. What's that work experience like? Is it the same as what you would get in a place like Melbourne? Absolutely. Uh, and I, to be honest, I think it's more diverse. We have quite a, a broad mix of uh, patients uh, and also uh, with their complexities. And I, I think medical students have an opportunity to really cover a broad, um, a broad spectrum of medicine when they're teaching in a rural context. Ideally, I, I would like to build the, the registrar model here at Mildura Health Private Hospital. So we've made significant headway already to have a medical registrar always on site in our inpatient ward um, and, and the oncology department, but also surgic, build on the surgical registrars um, coming through theatres. That's really something that we're trying to develop at the moment and, and, and build. You know, you mentioned the biggest challenge here in the northwest of the state is finding staff and retaining them. Mm. Is there anything being developed on that front? Yeah, so the, there's links, obviously, with Monash Rural Health School, um, also links with uh, La Trobe University and Sunny TAFE. So we've reached out to Sunny TAFE in terms of enrolled nurses, La Trobe University for registered nurses, um, and then Monash Rural Health for, for um, doctors in training. I think it's, it's about... It's about the health services um, in the region linking into these institutes and, and providing opportunities for the students to, to access the hospital, work experience, uh, come in, uh, be orientated through the facilities and really get a, a first-hand taste of, of what it's going to be like when eventually they do step into the facility. What's the demand for, for doctors in any kind of specialty or perhaps uh, more generally? Uh, generally, the, the, the real need at the moment is general practitioners. Um, we have seen quite a, um, a decrease in general practitioners within the region. We've certainly felt that within our health service. Um, we feel that GPs at the moment um, are really spending a lot of their time in their outpatient clinics and, and not really finding the time to be able to admit patients um, themselves, seeing an inf influx in the emergency department as well. So um, I think to have rural general practitioners um, out here is, is really at a critical point at the moment. We work so hard in this industry to make those links with the specialists both locally and also fly in fly out 
we we feel now that we have wonderful expertise at our fingertips, proceduralists that are working here in this private hospital and providing the same level of services that you would get if you were to attend Melbourne or, or Adelaide. So we're really encouraging that or providing a service that um, locals in the, and others in the region can feed into um, and, and remain locally, um, remain in the country for their treatment. These health services have no shortage of training opportunities and these profiles are by no means an exhaustive list of what's on offer. On top of the training opportunities outlined by Marcus Guthrie and Dr. Turner, Mildura Base Hospital offers psychiatric training in situ and Mildura Private now offers a PGY2 GP rotation accredited. Altogether, there are 19 health services in the region, ranging from the two private hospitals in Mildura and Bendigo to the small rural health services spread out across the region, delivering healthcare to locals in towns like Robinvale, Rochester, Kahuna, Bort, Inglewood, Heathcote, Kyneton and Malden. Add in sub-regional and local health services that we haven't covered in this episode, such as Echuca, Castlemaine, Maryborough and Kyabram, and there's a rich tapestry of healthcare opportunities for doctors in the northwest of Victoria. The largest hospital in this region sits at its southern extremities, Bendigo. And as you would expect for a large regional site, they have a wide range of training opportunities on offer. As Bendigo Health's Chief Medical Officer, Dr. Diana Badcock explains, the recently rebuilt hospital has invigorated the staff too. The new facilities tailored to the healthcare needs of the region has been a positive influence in the workplace culture and bringing doctors to the town. We all love newness. It makes people feel good when they've got a new house, a new car, a new, you know, set of clothes. So why wouldn't it make you feel better coming into a new hospital? So the newness of it has been fabulous. The other thing is we were very involved. Those of us who were employed full time by the organisation were very involved in the planning and how it how it looked and felt. But of course, we only brought our limited knowledge of our world that we had in the old hospital with us. So, yeah, we have brought problems with us that if, if we knew what we knew now, we'd have done things slightly differently. So I think that's been uplifting. Um, but the unintended consequences, I suppose, that people feel are that the size of the organisation means the, the community, the bumping into people, the popping here and popping there to have a chat with the specialist, and that's become harder just, you know, the tyranny of distance. I think that probably is one of the biggest impacts that you've got to review. And I suppose there are lots of of areas that we still are are waiting uh, to progress into. So the hospital is equipped to be very electronically and digitally enabled. However, we've still got to introduce the electronic health record, which is happening this year. So I think we're still on that journey to see all the benefits of this building. But, you know, how wonderful to have all of this light, all of this capacity to... 
to to sort of have something nice to eat and catch up with with people um, in and around the building. And so close now to the university and the educational precinct and primary care. That's really important that we've got them as as our close neighbours. And with hospitals in Melbourne about 150 kilometres away, does that change the approach to healthcare that Bendigo Health um, looks at? I suppose 150 kilometres is that it's close enough but far enough. So it is actually close enough to transfer the the major services that we don't have, like neurosurgery. So it, it's close enough. And we have the helipad, which was a bonus that we didn't bargain on, getting the helipad. So that's useful. The problem with 150 kilometres for medical staffing is... It is commutable, so that's a two-edged sword in in that some people will then try and get home, perhaps a little bit more than we'd like if they were, you know, if we were 500 kilometres away, they perhaps wouldn't even want to come to us, but it would mean that they would develop and, and um, engage in the social life and, the, and, and get more connected to the community. Because certainly for me, 30 years ago, there really wasn't much in Bendigo. I really did feel like I'd come to the end of the desert, you know, and that there was not much here. And I'd go to the supermarket and there was a, you know, cos lettuce and that was about it. (laughs) Um, But... Now, it's it's a beautiful place to be. You know, the art gallery has done so much for this town. It's just brought a different perspective. So the arts, the music, the, the food... The, the 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 wine so the the whole life that you can have now in Bendigo I I can't I can't see why you would want to be I left England if you were still in the city you'd failed in life because who on earth wants to fight with traffic people pollution and the rest of it anyone who was anybody who felt good about themselves and wanted to succeed went to the country it's turned a little bit now in that London's become a bit nicer a place to be but not much by and large you know it's the country is a as a lovely life and I wouldn't have changed anything although it wasn't easy to start with but now I think it's got everything you need um, and life can be very comfortable and and easy for for medical people and people who you, you've got to give life a go if you come here and keep comparing it never works you know I had a friend when I first arrived who was from England and used to spend her whole life comparing she lasted three years and then went back you can't compare you've got to embrace what life throws you grab it with both hands and run with it and just see the positive Um, because in the end you can be happy anywhere it's just actually what's going on in your head and the people in the country are just, you know, they are, they're a special group of people. They're just so grateful and appreciative um, of uh, anyone who's, who's willing to yeah, embrace what they love. Thanks to our guests for taking the time to discuss their work and thank you for listening. 
You can find out more about the study and training opportunities across regional Victoria by visiting monash.edu forward slash medicine forward slash SRH. This episode was part of a series of conversations with doctors in regional Victoria. There's more episodes available which focus on a wide range of medical specialties. Find us on your podcast app of choice. And if you're enjoying the series so far, give us a five-star rating too. It helps us reach more people looking at a career in rural medicine. The Northwest Victoria and Gippsland Regional Training Hubs have commissioned this podcast to help medical students and junior doctors learn more about training and practicing medicine in regional Australia. There are hubs all across the country. To find out where your nearest regional training hub is, visit the link in the episode show notes or just search regional training hubs. And finally, this podcast was brought to you by Monash Rural Health, presented by Patrick Laverick, that's me, and it was made possible by funding from the Rural Health Multidisciplinary Training Program at the Commonwealth Department of Health.